Welcome to the Beer and Gear Podcast with Chris Taylor. James Ford, how you doing, buddy? You're right. I'm very well, man. All good. All how's good, it, thank how's, you. How's life in these uh, challenging times for musicians? Are you uh, are you managing? Just about. I mean, teaching is going okay. Um, but yeah, I'm doing okay. Touch wood. I'm all good. I think what I found with it really is um, it's just diversifying uh, what you do and trying to make it fit into a, yeah. a routine where you where you are literally at home and making the most of what you got. I mean, I've mm. been doing lots of recording. I think you've been doing this doing similar, haven't you? Yeah, well, I've been, I was doing my EP, which I'll talk about as well. Um, but in terms of playing more, I think I was hitting about six to eight hours a day during the first lockdown of playing. Wow. So it felt like being 16 again and just playing flat out, which was cool. So, yeah, I've improved a little bit. Well, well, let's well, let's get well, let's get into that because I remember being well, I was I was nearly fifteen when I started playing, and, and I, yeah. I literally was the guy that wouldn't go anywhere. And when all the all your friends are out like underage drinking and going to town and stuff, I was spending my Friday nights sat on a sat on the side of the bed with a guitar, just trying to get better <laughs> at it. So yeah, where, where did it? This is a common question that I ask when I do these podcasts. It's like everyone sort of has a moment or um, a part of their life where they can remember what 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 kicked off the musical buzz for them when that moment when they thought I want to play mm. guitar in your case or I want to play drums or whatever it is there's normally it a was moment. it was in 96 saw the who at high park corner oh wow it was their reunion tour for the quadrophenia oh wow and I was, yeah so that's what got me into it when that was it you literally saw, I, 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 yeah i, I want to do that yeah yeah literally and then in so from about 97, 98, started learning. So yeah, I've been playing since 96, really. Yeah, so when, when, did, you get your right. first, when did you get your first guitar and what was it? For or after the plastic toy one. <laughs> the, um, it, was, it, was a white, it was a white piccolo Strat from Gap Music in Brighton. Nice. I've still got it. It's like this big. Um, and then it kind of went from that to Gibson's straight to, straight to Gibson's <laughs> yeah well I'm a, I was a still am a big Who fan and Frank Zappa fan so the whole um, SG sort of vibe and Les Paul was mainly my thing that's and yeah literally that's quite a jump yeah <laughs> yeah. To Gibson. yeah yeah well it was um, skip the epiphone bit don't need that <laughs> no well i'm not i've never liked well not, not really been a fan of it before i've always gone to gibson's or well at the early age early stages of playing it was very much a case of just which well, playing every day so improving and being consistent with the instrument kind of warranted an sg it wasn't yeah. just like a oh a kid he's got an sg Did you take a, a, a like a standard route into it? So I'm self-taught. I, I I've learned from I I, yeah. I, bought, I bought tab books of albums. I learned albums and then figured out that I knew what an A chord was because it was a 
a chord in a certain song I'd learned rather than knowing that it was an A. So I was I didn't have any lessons or anything. Did you did you go the more studious route and take lessons or did you take um I had lessons. I had lessons for a number of years and then um so I think the, the, the my teacher at the time was teaching me more how to improv and put like backing tracks on and just go for it. I mean if we're kind of condensing it down, that was the majority of it. And it wasn't until I was about 15 I was playing, well, I was playing live from the age of eight, eight, nine. Oh, really? so. Yeah. But my, my thinking back then to what I know now, I'd probably say I would, I would know a pentatonic scale and a key. And then away you would go, it would literally be that. And then um, it wasn't a few years later, someone saw me play and they approached my family saying, oh, we want to, want to teach your son, but teaching music theory and it went from that's when I really started to learn and that's when I got introduced to like stuff like Passion and Warfare and Flying in a Blue Dream those two albums yeah both classics and I was just like oh my god this is what this is what you can do to a guitar so well yeah, yeah. it opens it up because like you say you can you can get by with the probably 90% of pub gigs just having the pentatonic and knowing what key are, yeah what key are songs in and it gets through, it gets you through jamming mm. but when your eyes are open to sort of the stuff those two guys were doing with like the yeah. different modes and what, yeah. each, what each mode creates in terms of moods and sounds, you know, it really mm. is kind of mind-blowing, really, isn't it? It, it, takes yeah. it? it takes it out of the sort of four-on-the-floor rock context into something mm. completely different, doesn't it? You know, Yeah, also like um, Blues Saracino. Great player. Um, yeah, I mean, he, I think, other than the obvious via Ibanez route, I think he was the first Ibanez player that I listened to, and I was really like, yeah, well, blue, blues, blue, blues is great. I mean, I actually love, this is going to bring out the hair metal child in me, but like, I love the Poison album he's on because yeah. it, it's, it's having him in the context of like sort of a, a pop rock, rootsy pop rock type album. And just, he shines so much in that because the solos and the, and the, and the rhythm playing are just so tasteful. Yeah. The fills are great. I think there's one of his licks off one of the songs on that album from like 96, which is still stuck under my fingers because whenever I'm improv it comes out somewhere during a gig you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's just there um, and I like watching the, there's some great clips on um, YouTube of them doing Rock in Rio and it's actually a poison gig but it's Blues playing there he's got his he's playing the Yamaha at the time it's, no it's not it's, oh, no, is that with the played? no it was a Samic sort of yeah, it was a Samic it was a played one yeah, yeah. And, and literally he, he's on fire man because he's literally just got put in his own slant on these sort of bubblegum pop rock records but like, he's, yeah. he, he adds much like Kotzen did when he was in that band, that he added a certain authenticity and a sort of more of a bluesy sort of tinge to it, really. With his, it was, it was yeah. quite shreddy, but really sort of... Oh, just, well, that was his... That's, I, I'm, I'm guessing that was his, probably his background. Yeah, it was... It was it, it, it's great. So, influence-wise then, so you've, got, you've named those three. Anybody else that sort of really... Uh, got you going? There's loads. There's tons. Tons of players. So you'd have... Steve Ray Vaughan, Frank Zappa, John Sykes, Pete Townsend. I mean, the list is endless. Just Paul Kossoff, just like the different styles of players that I think do show in my playing and just learning their craft and how to put it all together and just have my own style of playing 
There's ton, it's tons of players, yeah. It's like, it's like all different ingredients in the pot, isn't it? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, well, it's, and it's different styles of players as well. They're not all metal players. They're not all funk or like shredders. So, well, the metal and stuff, I like that. The metal stuff gets boring to me quite quick. I mean, I know it's really, really in vogue at the moment. Metal, again, yeah. with, with the guitar community, it's like the gent and the metal side and the shredding's coming back and all that. But uh, to, to me personally, I'm, people are going to get like bothered about this, but my ears get tired of it quite quick. You know, mm. there's some of it I'll just, I'll listen to and think that's really, really cool. And then I'll want to listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan play and hold a note and bend, yeah. and bend something that just sounds like it hurts mm. to do, you know, and, and yeah. it, 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 there's a lot, I don't know, a, a lot of it may be done to the fact that we're, we live in a society now where it's basically, you know, can you impress someone in a minute and smack it on social media? You yeah, know, I, that's I, true. I, 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 I don't know, but, Hmm. I always I always try and check out as much things as I can. And obviously, coming from an artist relations background in the past, is yeah. trying, trying to be on trend and sort of be in with what what's around at the moment, different styles. Um, yeah, it's well, funny because you find like person, I end up going back to what really floats my boat, and that's yeah sort of the the bluesier side of the of that bluesy technical side of the hard rock sort of. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I'd rather listen to John Sykes, exactly. You know, for example, great. Yeah, like, you know, I mean, Blue Murder. Yeah, I and mean, if that band reformed. It would just, I mean, honestly, that the playing of that band, it's uh, there's just not many bands like it. No, no, there's not, there's not, there's not. It's and uh, and it's like we we're lucky to have so many sort of guitar heroes. Obviously, people mm. are dying, dying off and getting old now. Yeah, I mean, look at this, but yeah, um, but I don't know, I'm just waiting for there to be like a new wave of, of players that come out and 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 do the kind of stuff that I like to do and there is a few of them as well yeah. there, is a, there is a few coming out now that are really embracing the sort of bluesier side of it you know, yeah like Sir Jared Jane yeah. Nichols and all that that are just yeah kind of getting back to that roots of like here's a guitar with one pickup and I'm going to bend mm. this damn note you know I'm going to you'll, you'll, you'll see it. those yeah <laughs> you'll see those players as well what what gear they're using they're not all playing like rack units and it's all mainly valve amps and it's funny you're saying about metal music a lot of players I know now a friend of mine just bought a Marshall and he's like, I've never played a valve amp. And I was like, well. well <laughs> I can see why that happens, though, because yeah. they've come along at a time where digital tone is so accessible. Mm. Um, I mean, if you go back to the days when Meshuggah were touring with Pod XT racks, you know. Yeah. And then the, then the kind of the, the music changes where people want a very hard gated sort of sound. And literally that's, that was easy to achieve. Mm -hmm. You could literally put a model of a boogie or a 150 in it hard gate yeah. it and, and, and do the really fast percussive chugging which technically if you were stuck in front of a loud valve amp it might scare you because you try and yeah. do it and the feedback comes and you've got to deal with it and you you know but that's that's part of, that's part of it man so I yeah i like both you know i've got to say i, I, I like digital and i like and i like um, analog but for different reasons but we'll get mm. more into that when, when, we, when we do the, yeah yeah when we do the gear chat so so i had gigging from like an early age of eight and nine that must have been like crazy you know what kind of venues what is there, did you have any problems with like places well, getting in getting in yeah that? yeah 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 well it was um so the guitar teacher at the time he was he had like a a funk tribute band and i mean they were good they were like 14 piece band so like saxon they had like a horn section and stuff but we would go on before they would play mm. and we just do like a few numbers but it was like a the venue that's no longer open anymore, you know, Croydon, it's called the Cartoon Club. It was almost like he can play, as in me, 
but he has to leave as soon as he finishes because this is like 11 o'clock at night. Wow. So, but yeah, it was um, interesting. And I think having that playing at an early age live in front of people, when you come to do bigger venues or you play in front of anyone, it doesn't, doesn't phase you. It gets the stage right out of the way, so it's like normal, basically. Yeah. I yeah, like but it, and it also gives you that, that life experience. So if you break a string live, you don't stop playing. You just work out on the on the fretboard where to go. Like live so, skills, not live skills. Yeah, live skills. Yeah. Yeah, well, I teach that. That, that I actually, that's a great thing to teach them because those, yeah. notes, those notes are in other places too. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not just the twelfth fret, and it's in that block, and it, it's the same shape. Um, very important. Even technical stuff, even stuff like um, I don't know if like a kick pedal goes down, what do you do then? Yeah. And you've just got to be like, oh, I'm just going to stand here. No, you you just play something until the, the band's ready. Yes, you do. You just uh, you don't you don't stop. You know. No. You, and if you make a mistake, do it again, and then people won't think it's a mistake. You meant it. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's, it's, it's jazz. We've all, we've all, we've all, we've all smashed out that duff note and gone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm proud of that. Yeah. So you just have to attach the uh, the blues smell face to it. Then you that one like. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's like, like, it's like the picture of the picture of like John Mayer. Steve Ray Vaughan holding the slug. It's yeah, that's like, exactly that's exactly, it, it's, it's that's, that. that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. Oh. So what uh what what gear are you currently using that you know that you that you're into at the moment? So well gear at home in studio capacity would be Helix, so the native. So for all the recording stuff or demos, we'll be using that. Um how do you how do you find it? Love it. And I thank you as well for helping me work out how to use Helix to a point and, and native. That, that's fine, man. I, um, I, try, I try and help out. Super happy. Wherever I can. Um, yeah. It's like I've been a, a user of it for well, three, yeah. three or so years now. So yeah. that's live and recording. So anybody has any questions, I'm always like... Yeah. I actually had a, a Line 6 combo when they first come out. But the only... There was... I mean, it fitted the purpose before I went to Marshall and started using Marshall gear. The um, They sound great in your bedroom, man. That's the thing. They do, but, but, but a, live, a, live, <laughs> a live capacity. Not they work the, vi the, vi the vibration, you'd have to have it on, on a riser because the vibration on the floor would move the pots on the, on the circuit. No way. And it would make the, um, what's it called, edit mode? Yeah. So it just goes straight to clean each time. Oh, so you have to man. keep tap dancing on the floor. Well, the the, but, um, the, the, the initial ones, you know, they, they they served a purpose for someone that wanted to get sort of like a big ego tone in their bedroom. Yeah. I mean, soaked yeah. in reverb, soaked in delay, soaked in distortion and compression. And just, you know, it, yeah. you were Steve Vai on the side of your bed. But, <laughs> but, to, but to me, the, 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 uh, the initial ones anyway, when you, when you try to take them live, for example, they get lost. It'd be there when no one else was playing. The sound would be there, but as soon as the drums start and the bass took up some free gone, gone, yeah, gone. But they, but they, it looks they, good. They have made gone. some some strides. I've, I've, I've seen yeah. Some, I've seen some interesting um, things on YouTube where you get the guys which literally go to slag it off and review like the new version and actually end up quite liking it. Mm, so, so, yeah, they end up buying the gear. Yeah, they they do. Yeah. So but before yeah, the Helix is great. I mean, it's it's like I I, I use it 
for everything, like live on the floorboard. Mm. Um, Recording-wise, the whole lockdown, it's been the, the stomp, you know. Yeah. Handy, fix the laptop bag, take it anywhere. And, yeah. You know, um, I did try native, but um, I didn't personally, from lockdown, didn't see the benefit in buying the full license because I've got the hardware. Yeah. Because to me, it didn't offer me anything. It's amazing, but it didn't really offer. When I'm, I'm trying to like look at what I need money-wise to buy food and things like that, mm-hmm. it didn't. I used the Stomp as an interface, so what was I? Get? I wasn't really getting anything. Was yeah. I? It, it just, yeah. it, it was just a case of not being able to do to use any interface and have it literally on in the box, or mm. just plug into the, <clears throat> the Stomp as an interface and it was all there. So, mm. so yeah, I'm, I'm a floor and Stomp guy. Um, I'm a floor man, but for live and obviously yeah. like studio stuff. But with, I don't know, it's just easier for for me. Lo- load up Logic, use it as a plugin, done. Yeah. Before using Line 6 and all that gear, I used to have, I still have it, with just like a, a Marshall Governor two-pedal, a wah and a tuner, and a, dish, and, a, and a DD8 or a DD7 delay from Boss. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. So going from that to a Helix <laughs> is a bit, was a bit of a jump for me. Yeah, it, it, so. it, can, it can be as simple or as expressively yeah um complicated complicated as as you make it really yeah and, and, and you know it, you can do some amazing things that i don't touch probably 10 percent of mm. what it does but what it does for me is amazing stuff like when i yeah when i use it with a tube amp for example i can set up for cable method and midi so like if i'm using it with a 5153 for example i can set up snapshots or a pedal board in front of me where i've got my phaser my flanger mm. um, anything that i need war be there yeah when i click it it turns into a whammy you know so that's under one pedal and i've got my choruses and delays if i need them in the loop and my gate if i need it and also it'll change the channels on the amp because it sends me signals so i can press i can press one button and go from clean to lead with different delay and different delay settings and that to me is just ace yeah because back Mm. in the day with the individual pedals doing that kind of thing it was like tap dancing you'd be doing that gotta, gotta press two or three at once and and that's and that's mega cool for me. But like I said, I use it in a in a in a basic way. I mean, there's a lot of players who were controlling multiple setups, um, sending signals to to a, a, a acoustic amps and to yeah. electric amps and one to the PA and all this and all that. But I'm, I still very much treat it as either I'm going direct, which I do a lot, um, which I have my whole modelled rig sent to the yes, which goes through the PA with the backing tracks, or I have um, front and back end of an amp and switching programmed into it hmm. and program basically controlling the the actual amp situation yeah. which is yeah which, which is cool i mean i am going to do a gig with the stomp just for when i can when i can just because yeah i'd love to just go out and well I, I can't there is a way to work it with snapshots to work with the bad medicine gig that i do but because we use uh multiple tunings for for the set i mean some of it, most of it's in e flat some of it's in d now i i synthetically detune which is great because I've got, I just press the simple pitch and go down. Half yeah, yeah. And same guitar, just change the tuning. Brilliant. Or if we've got different versions of a certain song where the singer's kind of feeling it a bit that night, I can literally go, okay, play the lower one and I'll just press the button and, and detune it down. But that takes up an extra button that I'd need on the stomp. There is a clever way to do it. But if I was going to a jam night, for example, I'd literally just take the little stomp and go clean, rhythm, lead, yeah, straight in. You know, and I'd just, I'd yeah. be great. It'd be great to do that. But you use, you use tube amps too, don't you? are a big Marshall fan, aren't you? Yeah, I've, I mean, I've never, I don't think I'll use another a brand 
or vamp personally. You've got, you've, got, um, you've got an older 800, haven't you, from the gold? Yeah, it's a late 80s 800 JCM, 100 watt. Wow. And it's the best amp, I mean. How loud? Uh, loud. I mean, I had it on about two, and it'd be the loudest thing. Do you boost it with anything? Uh, well, just using the, the Helix distortions, mm -hmm. just that sort of stuff. But in terms of actual, to get more control, just be using the volume pots on the guitar. Yeah. And then switch into like a lead tone to kind of just go full on. Yeah. Because that way you've got all that headroom. A lot of people uh, with the 800s with, with, with the 800s um, will stick a tube screamer in front of it. Yeah. Um, but just just for a boost, to take the gain off, put the level up just to give you a little bit that push that first tube with a yeah. little bit more grunt. So but that's, yeah. only really, that's only really to make them tighter, I guess, for modern sort of metal. But if you're in the sort of John Sykes realm and all that, I mean, yeah, you, I you, mean, you know as well as me that um, 1987 was recorded on a J7800 combo. <laughs> it was and it was modded. Yeah, which I good. found out recently. It was a modded and, and, and 800. Do you, know, do you know what else that amp was used for? Go on. That amp I don't. In, that amp was in the studio. Back when Zach Wilde was using Lee Jackson preamps and did the album, was it No Rest for the Wicked? The first the first Aussie album was Zach Wilde in like 1988 with Crazy Babies and all that kind of stuff on it. Um, they couldn't get the sound right in the studio. And it, it, it is online. It's on a, on a Zach interview. Yeah. And literally that modded combo that was that, that was recorded in 1987 on was actually in that studio and zach basically ended up using that for that record and that's what that's, cool. that's what that's what got him into sort of the j7800 sound which he still still is with now i know his amps are wild audio but let's be honest they're they're, they're pretty much j7800s yeah you know but yeah that, that amp the same amp from 1980s for 1987 was used on the aussie album and zach zach got it and that was the sound for the album you know super cool so it's got some super, 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 cool. super sources yeah. that has, you know, so. Mm. Well, it's funny, people, unless you've played them, you don't truly really know the experience until you've actually physically play one. Which which kids need to do, man. Yeah. Like, 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 we, like we said, there, there's a generation gap where people are used to um, easily accessible, free plugins. Yeah, I mean, I, I switch off the app as soon as I see a free plugin download. And then everyone jumps on it, and it's and then, like, uh, and then everyone, it's amazing. But then it's everyone, not. <laughs> yeah, but then every, yeah, yeah, but do you also get this as well that like certain companies, which are great at what they do, will release um, a free amp synth or a free plugin to try, uh, whatever, and they're great. And but every guitar player tends to sound the same after a bit. People are yeah. using the same sounds, the same models, the same profiles with chemical mm. stuff, and. I'm really struggling to find people that have got like an individual tone now. Like back yeah. in the day, you could you could hear a player and go, "I know who that is by the first two notes," or a chord mm. by the way they attacked it and their sound. It's like I say, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Van Halen had a different sound to Randy Rhodes, who had a different sound to Tony Iommi, or a different sound to you know. Anybody. It was it was they all had their own their own sort of thing blueprint were, signature signature tone. Correct. It's like when you hear Zach Wild, you know you're going to hear like a, a a pushed Marshall with some chorus on it. And that's, yeah. that's Zach, and it sounds great, you know. It's um, it, but now it's like everybody's using the same plugin, and I don't know. Do you, do We're so, what is it? It's almost like I need to be sing playing this gear. It, that's what it feels like until the next 
product comes out. I think I think you're right there. It, it's it's like Emperor's New Clothes sometimes. And I, I, yeah. do, I do see it a lot. This is the best thing ever. Next week, no, this is the best thing ever. So mm. I, I just find it, just find what you like. With me, it's like, find something you like and explore every possibility of it. You know, yeah. there's, there's something brilliant about a single channel master volume head. Yeah. And using your volume knob. You know, there, mm. there's, there's something pure about that. Um, just a few knobs and being able to know exactly what each one does and how to get your sound with it. Yeah. Rather, rather than literally just finding the next best thing that you don't even know if it's going to suit your playing or what. I think, yeah. I think you've really got to explore the possibilities of what you've got before you think about the next thing. Um, Definitely. Personally, personally. It's like I used a 5150 for years, a 90s one. And um, it just amazed me how many people just didn't get the way that that amp worked because they'd say, well, it's too fizzy when I'm playing riffs. Okay. So you look at it and you go, well, you're on the red channel. Well, yeah, that's the distortion channel, isn't it? It's like, well, no, if you look at it, the channels aren't labeled clean and distortion. They're labeled rhythm and lead. Okay. Yeah. And the rhythm's got a crunch button on it. So if you want it particularly clean, you take the crunch button off. So it's, it's never, it wasn't ever a good clean because it wasn't supposed to be. You weren't buying it for clean. So when you show them and go, well, use rhythm for your rhythms and use lead for your lead because you're trying to play riffs through the lead channel, which is actually voiced with shit tons of gain for soloing with sustain. But the rhythm channel is brutal when you use it for rhythm. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh okay. But because, it, you know what I mean? It was just the mindset. Yeah. Well, it's got, I need gain, so I need to be on red channel. It's like, well, that's, it wasn't designed to play rhythm on. Yeah, well, that's why can, I used you know, unless using the um, it, you know, using the JCM. The benefit of having that governor pedal just there, when that's that was the answer, just that to instantly just flatten. Yeah. Well, anyone listening? Yeah. Because it would just get that extra, extra, extra push. Flatten small buildings. Yeah. But, but that's like we said before. There's, there is a whole generation of players that maybe aren't learning that skill of being able to control a proper tube amp at um, gig volume because they yeah. never had to. They never yeah. had to. Yeah. But uh, who knows? Maybe they're right because in the future, are people going to be out renting loads of Marshall stacks to do a gig when they can just take their uh, their rig on a USB stick and yeah. plug, it, plug it into a rented camper and do a gig? I don't... It, I think... I don't know. I think it will come back. I think that will be that vintage uh, get the, like, the, like the Marshall um, origin amps. They're pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I've looked at um, those. They're pretty sweet. Yeah, they do. They they they're built for the purpose of live playing. Yeah. So, I do I do think genuine like I say genuine. They're all real, but um, proper valve amps, like the big Marshall stacks or whatever brand stacks you want to use. I think it will come back. What do you think? To a, to a certain to a certain degree. I mean, no, I think the way so, technology I think advances. I think what you see more of is practical live as well. You see yeah. um, brands um, doing lower wattage tube amps so you can get the power amp working at a lower volume, uh, yeah. which which is great. I mean, you look at, so we mentioned Jerry and James Nichols earlier. I mean, his amps, like it's tw 20 or 40 watt tube, isn't it? His oh, really? Star. I didn't. Yeah, it's not, it's not too yeah. loud because you can literally crank that and get the power tube to cook in in a club, which is what he's doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. Which, which is what is there's no good him going into a smaller venue with a hundred watt head and having it on two. 
yeah. the style that he does, it, it literally is power ramp saturation. Power ramp saturation that he's that, that sustained. You know. Yeah. That, that's the punch. So yeah, I think I think I think there'll always be a place for that stuff. I think that the the companies will just have to roll with it and move with it and put features in. These you're starting to see amps now with um, built-in. Um, speaker sims, uh, IR loaders. You're looking at the, two yeah. notes, the, the boogie stuff with the two, with the CAD clones and uh, yeah. the, rev, the rev stuff with the two notes bits involved, which really yeah. really is really clever because that's like you know take your tube amp out, send an IR to the front of the house. Mm. You know, it's, I it's, still I still want to get the two note we were talking about. That would be definitely uh, yeah, then I can yeah. then I can literally use that. Yeah, so you asked about how to go to record your tube, your tube amp properly. Yeah, like, again, because... You know, it's Captor. Yeah. Yeah, Captor X. So, yeah. so that'd be a cool addition to have. Because um, even with my my opinion, the even having like Helix Marshall sound, it's not the same as the genuine article of a, of a real Marshall. You'll you, probably know that. You, 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 there's, there's there's a certain amount of trouser flappage involved in using a <laughs> head, head in a cab, which you can't get unless you have a really really loud powered monitor behind you. If you know what I mean. So, yeah. I mean, it's like I've done I've I've done full band gigs with just Helix, and it's really funny because you mm. don't expect. I'm, I get by because I have a monitor in front of me blasting me, and also the drummer has a has likes to have me really really loud. So we'll have like a yeah. drum monitor blasting him, and that's it. Feels like it's behind me, but when I turn around to rock out, and there's nothing there, I'm like, yeah. Oh, I can't climb up it and jump off it. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> you just tilt forward and just tilt forward. Yeah. Smash the headstock open. You got it. Yeah. Um, I have a gear I've used. So in, there was like a small period I used um, Amp One. All right. Amp, the, you know, the blue, the, blue the, guitar. The, yeah. 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 They're really good. Again, no, 100 I, watt. I've been to some demos of uh, Thomas doing that. Yeah. Know. He's a good guy. You've got the but the probably the best thing I liked about the amp ones was the built-in noise gate. Very I don't nice. think I, I think well other than I keep mentioning the, the word helix and line six, there's not enough companies that have that option. There's one in there's one in the in the Marshall um, Satriani. <laughs> Did you not know that? No, I didn't. And there's also a gate built into the Marshall Kerry King, which is a modded Ooh. 800 with KTM. Didn't know that. I'm not sure they still make it. But Thank you, a, Chris. There's a, there's a gate in that. Um, I'll be looking at reverb later. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, I've got a few things to list on there soon, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, they're stuck, they're, 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 that does exist. Mm. Um, and apparently the Satriani one's supposed to be really, really good. Um, oh, it's like a modded, it's like a 2000, no? No, the Satriani ones are modded JBM. That's it, JBM. But then again, you should have a channel on there which is very much like your uh, your eight hundred plus mm. one that's like a flexi, and you know it's a it's a four channel amp, isn't it? With a yeah. And I think it's got a MIDI switch in too, so you can look, you can put your Helix into it, and then you could get oh, mm. it, it's all there then, isn't it? It's like you you've got your channel switching, you've got your your pedals in in front and behind, yeah. and all that kind of stuff with it. But yeah, that's got a gate. That's got a gate built into. That's pretty it. cool. I feel, like I, I feel like I, I feel like I've learned something here today, just right, by knowing I'm, that. I'm a fountain of guitar uh, bump and crap, really, that just sticks in there from reading too many magazines and yeah, you know, that kind of thing. But what about guitars then? What are you rocking at the moment? Well, I'll show you this. What I've got next to me, which is the new Ibanez 
Um, oh, it's got the pier. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Look at that. Fantastic guitar. Probably one of the best Ibanez guitars I've ever played. How different, how different do you find it to Gem? Uh, there's more weight. Yeah. I find it's it's weird. I mean, if you're not a, a Gem fan or an Ibanez fan, it's almost like they've taken ideas from different companies, like the goodness of like the weight of a Fender Strat. It feels like an old, like a late 90s Fender. So it's got that good sustain, like the natural... Um, that good natural sustain when the amps yeah yeah it's not hear, plugged in i can hear, i said the edges are like more rounded as well aren't they and yeah yeah so it's a lot i love the back plate with the with the magnet oh the that's, magnet that's class yeah it's just brilliant no it's great and then the, the neck in itself it's like um for me anyway it's like a les paul custom all right okay it feels it's just with like a it's just so smooth. And I just find it so easy to play. And you went for the green, man. Yeah, well, I, that's the best colour. Out of the, the three options, I think. What do, what do you think of the uh, the, the, Dimasio, the Dimasios in that? Because you're a Dimasio guy, aren't you? So, I am, I am indeed. I'm a Dimasio artist. <coughs> and I absolutely love them. I mean, that's the, probably the, the selling point of that guitar. Well, you could easily say, well, why don't you just get the pickups? But it obviously those pickups are designed ultimately for that guitar. They are, yeah. Um, it's like the ones on, yeah. on, on, on this and on mm. this. Th those were designed specifically to go with that guitar. Yeah. No, that's, so, you know. They're, um, they're Utopia pickups, obviously, the Steve I models. I played them last year's NAM on the Dimasio booth, they had a prototype of the gym, or the, the pier, sorry. Yeah. And it just, just sounded great. I mean, it was like such a sound where you could have like that warm blues tone, but still shred with like the clarity of, of the notes you could hear. Right. Just fantastic. Really, so really got, well made pickups. I've got Evos in one of my Ibanez. Yeah. And um, I like them, but they're they're quite hot. Or so they, these they, they feel quite hot and spiky to me, and they sound great. You just have to dial it back a little bit on the amp. But these are more warm than yeah. the Evos, right? So you can get like a really good. I mean, honestly, I'll, I'll send you some stuff later yeah. after this of just of just that through something pre-recorded that I'm working on, and you, you'll be able to hear the the sound. I mean, even on even on the, it's got like a high pass filter. Yeah. Even that sounds really cool. But um. Yeah, so you can so you can roll the volume down and keep the top end. Yeah. 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 But um, other than that, I'm using my seven string universe. So I'm a nice. big big seven string fan. Yeah, that's just a, for that a, whole UV seven seven the P wasn't the premium one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the premium. Great, which is a great guitar. Again. I, was there, I was there when those came out. They're just so good. For oh well, them. yeah, so mm. good for the money. Yeah, um, another one of my buddies had one as well and used it extensively. Gigging with Stephen Platt, he loved it. Yeah, oh, great player. Yeah, very, very, very good player. I was chatting to him about bedding last night at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we <were> chatting <laughs> about random. Stuff. 
<laughs> wow. He's going to come on soon. He's literally just waiting because he's he's um, through different like quarantine and he's been staying at different places and he's, mm. he wants he, he basically making his room look really really cool because he wants all the guitars there and everything. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So we, we he's, he's going to come on soon as well. You've also got a Les Paul custom, haven't you? Yes, it's an eighty-one. It's an eighty-one custom. I um kind of weird how I got that guitar. I, I was flicking through Guitar Guitars website Dangerous. in at, at Nam, yeah. as you do at breakfast. And Alice Cooper is having breakfast at ten ten chairs away from me. Yeah, yeah. And I just called up Guitar Guitar Glasgow. Spoke to um, Kieran Johnson and a guitarist. Right. Unbelievable player. And I was like, right, I need you to send that to London and I will get that when I'm back. Went to the Epsom store, played it. I was like, right, that's it. Again, Ebony fretboard. Original pickups with the Tim Shaw pickups. It just sounds great. Mm. And then I've got a Les Paul classic, which I've put um Demarzio's Demarzio's in so I've got like an X2N in the bridge and then a, oh, wow, okay. a a uh PAF 36 anniversary the anniversary ones yeah they're they're, they're great they are great because you I get to, a lot of people you have to be able to play to use them <laughs> well I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones I guess the uh kind of getting by with with that combination, a lot of people on like social media, like Facebook pages, like why have you got that mixed? It's because of how versatile each pickup is. And obviously being an in, an in Dorsey with Damasio, I can speak to the tech team and I pretty much said, right, I want a guitar that's flat out, high output, which still got that classic rock tone and just want to sound different than just Oh, it's a Les Paul, it's got that Les Paul sound. So they, they arrived and it's just a very, very loud <laughs> Les Paul now. But still got loads of control on the on the, well, Dem the yeah, yeah. sound. Demise is a great and you've got that level yeah. of, you know where you can speak to them and they they will spec you and put you in the right direction. Yeah. And then, yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, and that, that, you know, that there's something for everyone in that product range. Mm. I mean I mean I I, I mean I have a fender strap. All right, Chris, okay. I've got a Fender Strat with the um, it's 90, 99, 98 Fender Strat, uh, American, and that's got some Damasios in. It's got like a, which I'll, I'll show you some photos if you can yeah, somehow if, put it if, yeah, in the you, left of the if, screen. If you, if you send them, I'll, I'll see what, uh, how much, uh, yeah. how much I can get out of Windows Movie Maker. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, um, it's got a stacked pickup in the bridge yeah which is like a red plate with a silver silver bars on and that just sounds killer i mean oh. it sounds like a it's it sounds like a les paul which really? is funny because it's yeah well I, so I, I'll, I'll be I, using that live i want to try and get my hands on at some point when we're you know i'm able to go out there and get back playing and earn some proper money mm. again um i want to get um a set for maybe this one, I mean, between two, 
was speaking to Billy Gray recently uh, from Fozzie, and like he really spoke about the Pariah pickups. Um, I'm quite interested in trying the Pancake and the Pasadena series of those. Um, but yeah. Also, I want to try the Dimazio AT1 in the bridge of that one. Um, yeah. Just because it's it's very very close back to the sort of the original 1991 sort of EBH. Mm. Um, well, they just they just released um, the interviews with. Yeah, Larry Demarzio and really, Van Halen. It's, great. it's so, great, isn't it? Going through yeah. the, the what the broken JB, where it came from modeling and they tried to match the sound of a broken <laughs> JB in the fifty one fifty guitar, and it was like that was the sound, it was broken. Yeah. 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 yeah it's, 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 it's great. But those pickups are so sought after and you can't get them. They won't sell the pickups off the music man EVH or the access. They literally they come on those guitars and that's it. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of other people trying to sort of get to that sound because these the Wolfgang ones were, were, were separately done um, by mm. Steve Steve well, I was, um, by Joe, Jim DeCola at PV who's now at Gibson he's now he's the guy that does the the great videos at Gibson and showing you how to set up a guitar have you seen those it's like no. said, they're, they're great they started putting the series out and it's like him Master, Lu, Master Luthier designer of the Wolfgang and all that kind of stuff telling you how to set up a Floyd Rose and how re that's really cool but kids need to know this you know it's, yeah uh, how to, how to check, do you trust Rod and that? It's, it's, it's good. It's good, but he's doing it. But they were just, those pickups were designed, designed afterwards. But the original Music Man ones, I mean, they're, the Demazios, they're, they're, they're rocking horse shit, man. Yeah. Because people don't take them out and change them. You know, they no. know that they're exclusive. So, no. But, but yeah, I, I've got a tone zone as well in one of the guitars, and the, the tone zone sounds great. Um, but there's something missing from it, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just the guitar that it's in. It's probably down to what? the body. It's probably down to the bodywood. Yeah, I could probably take it out and put it into the guitar, and it would sound amazing. It's probably just in the wrong mm. guitar, you know? Because it, yeah. it everything, everything. No, it's got, a, it's got a, it's got a, it's got a match with what it's, what it's going in. You know, it'll sound. Yeah. Good. Unless it's an oh. EMG, because you could put that on a plane. Sound the same anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So what, what's uh, what's coming up in the future then? Because we've we've got some, some some cool news recently that you've announced. Yeah. So I'm recording an EP instrumental. So it's a five track EP, and it has um, which I briefly announced. What's today? So I think on the weekend I mentioned Doug Wimbish from Living Color. Huge. Yeah. He's going to be playing bass on the tracks, which he sent me some stuff already and it sounds great. I mean, the sound, the runs, everything. I think there's, there's a particular track, which as the track progresses, the bass lines get more and more and more ridiculous. Right. When he, when he sent me back the files, I just, I was laughing. Just That's how good. ridiculous it's. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I've got the um, drumming. I have Brian Titchy. Oh wow, cool! So White Snake Dio, Billy Idol, Billy Idol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, unbelievable drum fills, and it's going to sound big. It's a very big. It's taken me a while to write it, obviously, but everything from start to finish was written by me. So, um, to describe it, again, it's a mixture of like blues, very proggy. Not to the point where it's like, yes, it's not prog prog. Um, and there's one one or two tracks which are quite shreddy as well, which are quite heavy. And I think people will like it. I mean, 
there's one track called Time, which would be the first track on it, which starts off quite atmospheric and it has a slide guitar. And then there's just like a four count in and then it's just <laughs> straight off. When, when, so, when, when's the release date or tends to release? I don't, I don't have a release date. Uh, hopefully like September. I mean, I wanted to do it last year, but obviously COVID just yeah, stopped decimated, everything. Decimated everything, yeah. Yeah, so, but it gave me time to rewrite and work on the, the guitar parts because they're quite intricate as well. So, so things like working on the guitar tone, actually playing it to a live capacity. So what I would play on the record, you would hear live. Yeah, I know like Frank Zappa, what he recorded wasn't necessarily what he played live each time. So there's an element of that yeah. in some of the um, phrasing in one or two of the tracks. But yeah, I'm excited to release it. I mean, people are interested, so I don't know why, but they just like the plane, I guess. I mean, Great. I'm, I'm, I'm really happy with how it's sounding at the moment and it's not even, it's not mixed. No. How I want it to stay around. I think when once the lockdown, once we're out of that, that's when I'll start putting the guitars down, go into the studio and actually play through the yeah. Marshall rig and Yeah. I mean it's gonna it's gonna be cool. That I'm very amazing. I'll be very proud of it when it's ready. That sounds amazing though. Yeah, I mean I'm very lucky. I mean it's interesting how I met met Doug. I did a a, a guitar event for Ibanez back in 2017 might have mm. been and uh playing up in newcastle and i'm playing away and in comes doug wimbish i just like i recognize him from somewhere and i can't place Was it living color playing newcastle that night or something yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um and you just like really enjoyed my playing and he was like well what are you doing later i was like well i'm going home tomorrow so i just bet the hotel he's like well why don't you come CS player put you on the guest list so that was great never seen them before and I mean they're a great band you unbelievable see, you band. See Vernon Reed shredding away yeah 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 unbelievable Will, Will Calhoun on drums it's like yeah it's, he's it's, um it's pretty much it's pretty like a super group really it, it would always, yeah. it always it always was it was all these cool sort of studio cats just out there rocking it wasn't yeah it? his yeah. bass drum broke the, right. the, the drum skin and I think Vernon and Doug were just trading solos for about 10 minutes I mean whilst the yeah. drum tech was fixing the, the, there, there's a, there's a lesson. the head yeah that was like a free guitar lesson did you watch great. the uh, did you, speaking of Living Colours did you watch the um, Steve Bryant the on Music is Win that came out like yesterday he's, no? he, he's, he's doing a gig with Living Colour he's playing guitar oh for, yes rock, rock in Rio isn't it for, uh, yeah the Brazil gig yeah no I yeah, saw yeah. that announced I saw that announced that'd be great to go to obviously it's nowhere near me, but it'd be great to watch it somehow. Um, they normally put it, they normally do a live stream of it, to be honest. Oh, great. Yeah, so that, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> you don't have to that's wake up at 4 a.m. to watch the, well, like yeah. watching the boxing. Just stay up. Yeah. What, yeah. Do what I did last night and drink too much coffee and then wonder why you're still awake at six. <laughs> oh, but more on Doug, how I, how that sort of relationship grew and grew. I went to my first NAM couple of years back and as you do you get lost trying to look for booths and he was there with his wife and he instantly recognized me and he's like hey how you doing and then the following the year after sorry i joined uh road to sound strings 
So I'm now using um, the the new newest range of Ultramag. All right, okay. So these are great. I mean, I was going in between Ernie Ball Strings and Daddario. I, I did the same. But the thing is with me, I just, the Ernie Balls are good, but I would break them. And I would just go through them like whatever, like maybe a pack a week or maybe two weeks. It gets expensive. Yeah. <laughs> it does. And then the MYXLs, the Dodares, I found that they didn't last as long. All right, okay. So I know I know they're very they're that's their premium string, but for me I was I don't know, maybe my hands are just acidic and they just burn through string. But the Road Sound Ultramags, I found that they're they can handle the punishment that I give them. So which is so yeah. So by British. <laughs> of course. You know. And on. and the cool thing <laughs> which I which I like as well is that you know, if you get a set of strings, you get a free toppy, which is great. Yeah. Free. Yeah, yeah so that, and, that, and that's cool because that, that's. Yeah. Ball, you, I remember doing that years ago, but I also remember Guitar uh, World coming out and like every issue, there'd be a free Ernie Ball 9 on the front, which is all really handy because I was like, I'll oh, keep that in case if I want to break mine. I'm, I'm, if you play nines, I mean, <laughs> they might have to, if they did a 10 gauge edition, it'd be. Pretty time consuming to get I, the addition. I play, yeah, I play, I play nines on everything that's um, strat scale, so mm. and, and and tens on everything that's like less than yeah. That. So Les Paul and PRSs are generally with tens on. Well, it depends if the single cut PRSs tens, um, but nines on the sort of custom twenty four shape. Yeah, you know, with them. So yeah, so I kind of go between the two. I've got a couple of guitars with elevens on them, but they're in drop. One's in drop. B and ones in drop C. So I, I play other than the Floyd Rose guitars, like they're all intense, but the SG, the Les Pauls, and the Strat, they're all in 11s. So if you ever see if you ever see videos where I'm going 100 miles an hour, they they are 11s. That's scary, man. Oof. Nah, why make it hard on yourself? <laughs> well, for me, it's it's, it's the it's the belief of finding and fighting for that tone. Yeah. There's, there's, I'm, there's, I'm much more um, in my comfort zone when I want to get a particular note. Whereas if I'm playing nines and I bend too high, yeah, I, I can either knock the tuning out or it just sounds like, what's he doing? Like he's just started playing. Yeah. I get like my, my gigging guitars have got, Floyd's on and they're 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 nines but down half a step so they're mm. proper they're proper slinky you know yeah but it it works for that you know it's, mm. it's great but I don't know I guess I'm a worst when it comes to strings but there's people that are using eights and sevens now so yeah <laughs> so. yeah I mean as it legato sort of players tend to use lighter gauge strings yeah I mean it'd be good to see it on eleven gauge I mean that'd be That'd be something. I'd to do the, the, the thing, maybe do the Stevie Ray Vaughan experiment and put 13s on a strat and then play it all. Well, I used to play I used to play 12s when I got into that sort of Ray Vaughan yeah. discovering that sort of live in Austin City did, Limits. Did, did you notice that you sounded fatter or not? 
to a point where I was playing an E flat, but it was more um, slight more output in a, in a sense that the tone was there. And I used to use like a Seymour Duncan hot route. This is before I joined Dimarzio. Yeah. And that through 11s and 12s was really good. But the one thing, it was killing my hands and it was killing the neck. Right. Because the guitar was like 15 years old, 20 years old by that point. Right. And it was, yeah. yeah. And it was before I just got into that whole vibe thing. So I wanted my bridge to be like that. Right. So I could do the so I could do like a whole step pull up on a Fender Strat. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Using elevens or twelves at the time. Yeah. So the spring tension against string tension was crazy. Then. <laughs> yeah. 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 I actually put more springs in to kind of compensate the bridge just going coming your, off. Your, your your neck must have just been crying the whole time. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Good. It's got 11s good. on it and it's got it five its springs purpose. on it and it's literally yeah. good. Yeah. But now it, it's got 11s and it's it's happily, you know, resting. It's happily settled. Yeah. I was actually thinking about putting nines on the Les Paul next just to see what it, sound, what it felt like. But I just think it'll probably, it actually probably will feel like that one with an E flat. Yeah. So it might be yeah. right. But... I need to upgrade the tuners on that one. They started to get to a point where the, the, the G's a little bit iffy and mm. things like that. But it's, it's all stock apart from the, the EMGs. I've got the original pickups and I was toying with the idea of putting the original pickups back into it because why not, you know? <laughs> what are they, um, that sort of uh, unplated sort of humbucker so you can see the, the poles? No, they were, they were the gold-covered gold one. Gold oh, okay. Ones that went in. Yeah, and it looked stunning. But literally, I was in my Zach Wild tip, so I was like, "Oh, I need to get some EMGs, some Les Paul, and then put them in it." And it does sound great. It does. Yeah. It really does sound great and play great. I mean, that Les Paul there. Uh, I went when I bought this from a store um, in Telford. It's starting to age now because I don't know if you see the lines on it, but it, that's just natural. Um, the lacquer is just starting to to wear, yeah, yeah. and you can feel it. Um, I went with, it was back in the day, it was some, what was it called? Um, premium Bonds or Pauls or something like that. And the parents at the time had, had a bit of a bit of a, a windfall on it. Nothing massive, but it was like, okay, we're going to, I, I, I was taking guitar seriously then. And it was like, okay, we'll get you, we're going to look for a Gibson or Les Paul. This is your budget. And my budget was like 800 pounds or something like that, which is huge when I was 15. I was like, wow. Yeah. But I think they'd, um, they'd, Sin that I was progressing, so I was. It wasn't just a fad because I was a tennis player before. For like six years before that, I was playing county level tennis and nearly going pro with it. Now that, but the, but the, I want to know more about that. Oh right, <laughs> well, well, the, uh, but the, um, the coaching fees were too crazy because at that point yeah. there was no grants or anything. It was like, okay, you've reached this level now. Do you want to carry on? Okay, well, can we have thirty thousand pound a year training fees, please? Blimey! But so I took I took guitar up. I said, so we were doing. And we went to this store and they literally they got like a load of Epiphones, um, some Les Paul standards, Les Paul customs. And this was 1995. So mm. Les Paul standard was slightly above budget, but I think they would have gone to it. I think my dad would have actually gone. If it was the right guitar, would have gone, okay, I'll put the extra hand in or whatever, or extra 200 pounds. I ended up playing like 12 Les Pauls that day. Nice. And this is the one that came home for no other reason that I connected with it. I didn't go looking mm. for a black one. I didn't go. Yeah. Looking for, I, 
I didn't go looking for a, a studio with the, with no binding or anything uh, that was just mahogany. Um, but this one I connected with, it felt right. It played like my kind of guitar and that's the one I came with. And that's the only reason it was this. And my dad even got some money knocked off it because it was a slight mark in the back. There's loads in the back now, belt rash and everything, but yeah. there was a slight mark in the paint on the back and he got another 50 quid knocked off it. I think this guitar with, with the gig bag was 550 quid. So there was some changes wow. in pedals and stuff afterwards, you know, from the money. Um, but the only reason, like I said, the only reason was I tried them on and I connected with that one. I had no interest in whether it was sunburst, whether it was red, whether it was silver, whatever color it was. This was just the one that felt right and it still does now. I, I track with it all the time and it just, it just, I don't know, it's solid. There's pictures of me holding it up in the hair with one hand, which I wouldn't recommend, but. No. But, but, but yeah, I might, I, might take it, I might take it back to the original pickups, you know. I mean, gold would suit it. Yeah, it did used to look. It would bring it bring up think, the body more. I think what the it look. Was, I think what it was is to me that for some reason they started to sound woolly to my ears at some point. Um, maybe they didn't. Maybe I was just drinking too much at the time. But they weren't giving me something that I wanted, and it wasn't yeah. enough edge. And I think it was I was so used to the pickups in this, which are very full bodied and very cutting at the same time, that it just wasn't quite. Give but it's how your it's it, it's almost like how the players that the ear and their taste changes yeah as, as they play like the Les Paul classic I'll send you the before and after photos yeah the pickups that I had which were stock pickups they started to fade and I don't know why it was like a low very low um, output. This is kind of what I mean. It was getting that. It was kind of like so they, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't. Giving they lost the their, their to, yeah. You know. So with the 36 putting in the, in the, the um, X2N, I mean, I nearly sold the guitar for a seven string and I'm very glad I didn't. No, yeah. Care. Because class, classics are now, I think they're retailing like 14. Yeah. 1400s. So this was like 900 at the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's a sad, sad thing, really, because I think at the moment I was, I was taking this in the chat with Billy last night um, mm. that there's no better time now for players to be a player because there's so much quality gear around that for mid-range prices that would have been yeah. what the spec of it is like what we class of ten years, fifteen years ago as being pro, you know, yeah. being like top top range, you know, in terms of spec. But the difference is, is like. You can't buy and buy a Les Paul studio for five hundred quid now. No. If you're in that realm, you are you are firmly Epiphone. Yeah. Or another brand that does a similar thing. But if you do want that Gibson, you've got to chuck the money. You got to chuck the money down. Yeah. Well, back in the nineties, it was literally like ninety five, ninety six. You could get one for six hundred quid, and it would be a Gibson. And that that yeah. would be with that would come with the hard case. That would come. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm lucky. I'm lucky because mine's mine's from a. Yeah, mid nineties, good year. You know, it was when yeah. there wasn't so many. I don't know if there's, you know, you all hear about the QC issues and that, but I didn't have a problem with that. That was, I will say, yeah. every, every single one played different in the shop, but that was probably down to the store not setting them up. They were probably mm. straight put on the shelf straight from the factory. Yeah. Um. But, but yeah, that's that's anything. It's been, it, I, I, you, you are if you're going to spend five six hundred quid, you can get a very very good Epiphone, but you still yeah. get. Took the money in for the Gibson, haven't you? And I know what you're saying. I think Epiphone do some cool stuff. I haven't got an Epiphone guitar. I mean, it, they haven't really 
to me, it was always I wanted that Gibson headstock. I wanted that's, that's yeah. What I was getting. Well, it's like it's 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 the it's like that iconic look. Yeah. The only Epiphone instrument I've got, which is very very good, it's it's, it's my bass. I've got the Nikki Six Blackbird um, mm. bass, which I use for recording, which is great. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're using it, if you're using it for a demo point of view, I can understand why you'd have it. Yeah. Or from a songwriting purpose, because then you could just translate it to an e-guitar, but. It's almost like that's would you have a squire or would you have a fender? Let's see, I'm getting onto this bit next thing because I, I I shouldn't see it differently. But maybe it's because I've never owned an Epiphone Les Paul or SG or something, you know? Yeah. Of like Gibson's, but my, my journey with Fender, I've got I've got a couple of fenders, but most of the fender instruments that I have are squires that I've modded because I yeah. love I love modding squires. I've got my, it's an Affinity Telecaster. It cost me next to nothing. I did get it on a deal as well. I won't mention where from, but I did get a little bit of a sneaky trade discount from it on it. So it didn't really cost much. I've got a set of Dimarzios, uh, basically the Cotson set, which was the, the Chopper T and the Twang King. Yeah. Put, put it in it, did my normal setup. Cause obviously you know that I do guitar setups and uh, yeah. repairs for people as well. So. Crowned all the frets, polished the frets, oiled the neck, sanded the neck, oiled the neck to, to, my, to, to where I like it. It was just a great piece of wood anyway. Upgraded the tuners, upgraded the bridge to a, a, a better quality six huddle one. Mm. And that guitar is a beast. And, I, and, so, I've got, and, I've, and I've got I've got Squire Strats. I've got a, over there, I've got a Squire um, Strat 50th anniversary of Fender one from 95. And that thing is heavy as a Fender. And it's it, it's Korean, but it's great. And I I've always loved taking a squire to a gig and someone assuming it was offended by the way it sounded. Okay, yeah. I've done, okay, I've done stuff to it, but I love it when it's like now it's a squire, mate. It's an affinity. You can go and buy one then. You that would be. I'm I'm, I'm guessing that's got a naturally a very good sustain. Mm -hmm. So it's probably the body and neck that is is kind of what brings out yeah. the quality of it. Yeah, and they, they make some great stuff. I mean, I've got, I actually purchased a Squire Affinity Strat in Sunburst with the 70s yeah. headstock for 159 quid from a music store in, um, that's not there anymore, in, in Merry Hill, which is it's a big shopping centre, I get into shopping centre in the Midlands. And they used to have yeah. a music store in there, which had a Fender dealership. And literally, I bought that, and it's one of my favourite Strats, even though it's the basic one. I, all right, I spent a few hours making it how I'd want it to be. But just by walking through that store and touching the back of the neck and it just felt right i was like oh hang on. yeah okay i'm gonna buy a beginner's guitar here and do some work on it because i reckon this is a great piece of wood and a great neck and it is it's the one that i pick up to write things on it's, it's whether it's i think at the moment, but it's next to the next to the bed sometimes I'll yeah and i write on it because it's so comfortable but that's 159 yeah. quid guitar so i've never been a fender snob even though i love fender style instruments yeah it's weird yeah well, it's that natural, it's like the, um, it's, it's definitely true. You have to, when you're going to buy the guitar, you have to feel the neck. Yeah, it's the most important bit. Because it, yeah. because it's, yeah, but not many people know that. They look at it, oh, look, it looks great. Or it's got that pickup or it's got, this guy's playing it or she's playing it. It's a, it doesn't it's, feel right, it's not right. No, you no. Know. Like I've played some, I've played some Gibson Customs, new ones and, for me, it's just it's just not, just doesn't sit right in my hand. 
it's, it's got that that's that's the bit that spends most of contact with the actual guitar the neck yeah. gotta be right you know i'd like a certain type of neck you know yeah I don't like anything too chunky depends mm. and the, the prs tremonti is a chunky neck but for yeah. what you play on that it kind of works for it if you know what i mean it's, mm. it's like you, you you know it's it, it's great but i do kind of like a you know modern c-shaped sort of fender neck yeah I love Ibanez wizard necks and everything, but I'm an over-the-top thumb player, and sometimes they're too. See, I, I am. They don't, they don't rock for me. I'm not really that guy. I'm. Yeah. I'm more of a, I play <laughs> G notes with my thumb and things like that. You know, it's like. <laughs> I'm because I've kind of always, you know, my my style changes all the time. But that whole, that sort of playing. I do that, yeah, all the time. I mean, it's obviously it's not plugged in, but that that yeah. double harmonic that. Uh, yeah. That sort of stuff. But even this pier, it's got that natural sustain. Yeah. And that's, again, that's what sold it for me to, to, to have it. Yeah. And because that's, of, that, that, because that, of that, that's, because of my blues background of, that's, of that's a, that's a good growing chunk, up. That's a good chunk of change to invest in a guitar as well. More than, more, more than a tenner. Yeah, more than a tenner, yeah. I mean, that's probably about $18 in the exchange rate at the moment. But, <laughs> yeah. but um, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to play this live nah. and, and, well, and record of it. Well, we're going to get to that soon, man. I think I think we've, yeah. we've, got, we've, got, we've got an idea now. We're going to come to the end of it. We're going to be able to get out there. You'll be able to get your EP out. Yeah. Know, get out there promoting it as well, doing some shows. Yeah. Which would be great. So that'd be really cool. I mean, I'm really excited to, to, to play it as well as just release it. I mean, I've had it. There's a um, guy that I'm working with. He's gonna. He's worked with like Last in Line and Orange Goblin. He's a great sound sound guy. Um, but yeah, I'm just really happy to to have Doug and Brian playing on it. There is one guy who I'm tempted to play keys on it, but I think that might be like. Sorry, Derek Sherinian. Possibly, but Stevie Wonder. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, he didn't pick his phone up when I tried to call him. He didn't read my WhatsApp, couldn't, but couldn't find it. <laughs> but, uh, oh wow! <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think it'd be a bit of an overkill to have any more sort of A-list players or the elite, is what I like to call them, mm. because then it would just be like, well, you're just you're just paying them to do it, sort of thing. Mm. Which in theory, anyone can do that if, if they want to spend that for, for the quality. But yeah. it's the history that I have. I've obviously like known Doug for a while and he said, he would, at the time, he said, I'll always help you out yeah. with what you need. So, and he's a genuinely nice guy like, and his playing's great. Yeah. It's not this, I don't know you, um, here's a session, see you later sort of thing. Yeah. It's a it's a genuine thing I have with any any anyone that I play with. I kind of you, you you've got to have that good vibe. Yeah, you do. Sort of thing. You do. You do. And also, they'll be really cool with you when you release it in terms of like cross promotion and stuff as well. Because they won't yeah. see it as just a job. Yeah, I did that. Session, yeah. 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 You know. Bye. I and it was cool. Speaking of this, I love I love the way the session guys work, man. I mean, do you ever do you ever look into some of the session like drummers and stuff and see what they that their resume is, what they do? Are you, yeah, I've you, got. You carry on. I'll explain. Cause I've done some drum clinic tours yeah. before we finish it up, and 
Yeah. Oh, some of the stories I can tell you about the, the work they're doing in between the actual clinic tour and they've their schedule. Yeah. Like on, on Monday I've got pink. On Tuesday I've got meat. Yeah. It's like you know, on, on Wednesday well, I'm, re- I'm re-recording the drums for a band that have got a drummer that you know this isn't going to be spoke about that kind of thing. And yeah. It like, yeah. It was, it, oh man. Yeah. And I guess Wimbush well, and Tishi are the same. They're they're all doing different sessions at different times for different acts, aren't they? Well, I was fortunate enough to get Brian at the time because he was working with George Lynch he was recording that album and he was supposed to go and tour it but obviously Covid yeah. shut everything down so it was kind of like now or never sort of thing to get um to get Brian yeah see like working working with other musicians previously I didn't want to use anyone that I, I know like that was at local reach I wanted something completely different I want different players on it just so you could have like a different sound yeah. as well. I mean, obviously playing with like um, Mel, former drummer from uh, Simple Minds, Mel Gaynor. Yeah. I mean, working with him over the years was just great experience. And just working with someone who's played with like everyone. And everywhere. From, 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 and everywhere from back in the day. I mean, I'm a football fan. And I think the one venue that really gets me is him playing the San Siro. Oh, wow. And I'm like, oh. even like the old Wembley, of course, for Live Aid. So it's, it's cool. But I wanted Brian to play on it because of just what the stuff and listening to Whitesnake and hearing these ridiculous drum fills. And I think, well, he, he could do that on my stuff. Because I, I pre-program all my stuff here using tune tracks a period drummer yeah so obviously the drums like yeah. all those ridiculous drumming but it's the not like kit, the drum kit from hell yeah yeah well i use um it's not the drum kit from hell i don't know what they call it but i mean some bass players i'll, I'll toy with the idea of another which i'll tell you afterwards who i was gonna yeah. use but but i mean price wise it just wasn't wasn't worth it for me financially and maybe in a maybe like in a few years maybe work with this bass player but yeah no because that you know like a definite i don't care pay me sort of vibe mm. it was that so i mean yeah, not so cool yeah, yeah i mean you'll laugh who when you yeah, yeah. Oh, we'll, we'll get onto that off cam. so we'll, we'll <laughs> laugh off cam off cam you get this on the extras off on the DVD. Yeah. When, 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 when I get my, page, my Patreon page, you can have the, an extra bitching session per week oh. for, for a small donation of uh, 50 English pounds. <laughs> yeah, so. get, can we get like a, a signed picture? Yeah. We can do all that. And, and a, a guitar pick. And a badge. And a badge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Now, so, well, yeah. So, so it looks like things, things are looking up then, dude. You know? Yeah. I hope that touch wood. Um... Yeah, working working with a um my own schedule for once, which is which is nice. Yeah. Um and there's always something that I find in these songs I'm working on. It needs that. Yeah. It needs this, so which is obviously. But yeah, I'm just I'm just very, very excited, Chris, with this music. And I think a lot of people will be actually surprised in a way of this is what I can actually do rather than a minute shred clip or playing with this particular band you you just play like that i mean a few people have called me i'm a blues guitarist yeah 
I am not a blues guitarist. I'm not, and I'm not a shredder either. I will, I like to play what I want. So to have that sort of style of um, sort of in the middle is where I like to keep my playing. I mean, I've got really in, involved in, interested in like Marty Friedman mm. at the moment. Which is funny because I discover these players too late or when the attention's not on them. Because yeah. everyone at the moment wants to play headless guitars, pedals. I don't either. I can't stand them. They, they look stupid. But, um, and just all these pedals that, I mean, are they going to be using that gear in five years? Like I've had my, I've had this amp for 10. Why am I going to change my gear tone? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, this broke out a gig, so I kind of got then the valve done. Then so fix then it. I fixed it. But, yeah, but if it is broke, fix it. <laughs> <laughs> it started. It started smoking, and each time you had to hit the the head. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. Well, the, um, uh, well, I'll have to send you some. I'll have to send you some stuff when it's ready. I mean, I will after we record this and it's well, well, we've done the chat. It's when she, when she, we'll do another another chat once it's out and we can yeah. like talk about the actual the actual ep and where yeah. we get it from and that when we, we'll do like yeah. a part, part two once it's released oh yeah. thank you that'd be amazing yeah. i mean i will i will i will be doing um playthrough videos i mean there is one on my youtube channel it's angel which will be one of the tracks i mean if you like shredding on a seven string yeah watch that so cool stuff well, what I'll do is any any links that you want to send to me, I can include them in the description okay. below this video. Maybe I can get some YouTube subscribers. Who knows? Why not? We're all after those, aren't we? So yeah, we'll, we'll put links into your channels and to all your various links and your endorsements as well. We'll put them all in yeah in the, in the description. So when this goes out, people can easily access uh, all your different channels where your music is. Great. Thank you so much. Oh man, it's been great catching up with you as well. Thank you, Chris. We've only really sort of chatted over a quick message. Yeah. Over Helix tips and, and how to fix this. Yeah. How to make that sound and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah. Uh, you were definitely on my list when we uh, when I thought of doing the sort of. Oh, thank you. The, the gear podcast. Um, but it's, thank it's, you. It's, and it's been really cool to catch up, man. Wicked, so, man. Yeah, same. I've enjoyed it. Well, let's say links will be in the description. And uh, yeah, from, from me, I'll see you guys soon. See you later, James. Thank you, Chris. Take care, man. Take care. You've been listening to the Beer and Gear podcast with Chris Taylor.